You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to the first ever Rico Bronia. It's a Mets podcast named after personally my favorite New York Met of all time. Quite frankly, the greatest defensive first baseman in the history of baseball, Rico Bronia. Now, I know before anyone tells me Keith Hernandez or JT Snow or anyone else, this is my personal opinion from when I was 12 years old. The guy scooped it better than anybody. So we just figured we would honor a great Met on this Met-related podcast. My name is Evan Roberts. You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Carton and Roberts radio program. You can also hear my man Pete Hoffman as the producer of Tiki and Tini. Here's one of my fellow diehard Met fans. And basically, we'll come to you twice a week, usually after each series ends within, let's say, six hours after each series ends, and then occasionally mix in a instant reaction podcast. Now, we kick things off with what I think is the greatest split in the history of the New York Mets. At least at least that's my emotion, you know, a few hours after it ended. A four-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think a team we all agree is probably the team to beat in Major League Baseball. Don't tell a Yankee fan. They think they're the best team in baseball. And the way they lost the first two games, in which really the offense just sucked. And let's be honest, that's what happened. They got shut down by pretty good pitching. Who knew that Tyler Anderson would become a really good pitcher? But they got shut down through two games. And to come back and win the way they did Saturday night where they're down early and the way they won this finale was scintillating slash shocking slash awesome. It was, quite frankly, the greatest split in the history of this New York Mets team. Now, we'll go through each game. Uh, We'll analyze where this team is as they continue their West Coast trip against the San Diego Padres. But let's start off with what I think is the one negative that came out of this four-game series against the Dodgers, and that's SNY. How is Gary Cohen calling every pitch a half a second before we watch it? Can we address that issue? Because this was going on all freaking weekend. And at first, here's really what I thought on Thursday night. And I never brought it up. I never mentioned it on Friday I didn't even mention it to anybody I knew on Saturday. It really didn't hit me until late Saturday night. I thought Gary Cohen was just so on top of the action that he was calling a curveball as it was being thrown. He was calling a swing by the a swing and the miss as it was being swung and missed. It was it was really the opposite of John Sterling, where John will wait five seconds before making a call. I just thought Gary Cohen was locked in. I thought he saw this was a big series. And kind of said, I'm going to give you the best of Gary Cohen. But by the time it was Saturday night, and it was about 12.15, there was one call he made where I said, wait a second. 
Hey, well, hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> what the hell is happening? And then throughout this game on Sunday, the finale of the series, it was happening all the time to the point where when Adonis Medina, our favorite Adonis, he is quite a freaking Adonis. What a balls he has getting these three outs with a runner on second with the Fugazi Manfred rule. But anyhow, as Medina got Will Smith out, Gary's calling it before we saw it. So, look, if this is going to be our biggest issue, this is the definition of a first world problem. But as a man of the people, we need to address something I'm sure every person's thinking about. Gary Cohn either had telepathy or SNY's video signal was a half a second behind the audio call. Now, Hoffman, be honest with me. At what point in this four-game series did it hit you like a ton of bricks that Gary was calling the action a split second before we saw it? The final call with Will Smith, because I was like, what just happened? How did he call it beforehand? <laughs> like, I, that was amazing. I had no idea that that happened all season long. Listen, I've been watching on TV, but I've been doing other things, so I didn't focus on as much as that. That's been going on all series long? All series long. And, like, in fairness, when it happened on Thursday and Friday, like, it would flick into my mind of oh he's making a call slightly early but I really genuinely thought he was just locked in like he was just really paying attention so well that he was able to call it almost as it was happening or before it was happening but it became obvious over the last two days and I fully get it you know when you're watching especially West Coast games where and I know you Pete this is what I respect about you I saw you tweeting at 12 30 like you're you're watching these games and you're not falling asleep at 11.30 and watching highlights, but even so, when you're staying up late, our brain doesn't work maybe as the way it would if it was 8.30 at night. So I get that it took a while. It took me two games into this series. It took you until the final batter, but it was it was like, what the hell's going on? It was it was amazing, and you're right, because I thought, like, you know sometimes like when I'm watching a game, you call it, like, oh, it's safe, it's safe. You want to, like, throw it out there that he got right. it? But no, that he literally has been a step ahead the whole time. It was the whole time. That's amazing. It it was amazing. All right, let's go to the first. <laughs> let's go to the first game of this series. We'll work our way to what was the scintillating finale. Again, the greatest split in the history of the New York Mets. Unless you have one that you're thinking about, you can at me at Evan Roberts WFAN. I guess I'd have to go through every four game series and two game series over really the last thirty five years to find the split that was as satisfying. And it's scintillating. But but here's why it was satisfying. Go back to game one of this series. And I'm whipping out my scorebook. This is why I score games. Because it jogs memories. Because for most people listening, game one of this series feels like six months ago. Like you barely remember how this thing started. So let me refresh your memory. Tony Gonsolin is the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball. Tony Gonsolin is just mowing down the New York Mets. And what was frustrating about this opener, not panic worthy. I want to make something clear. I never really felt panic throughout this four-game series because it's four games of 162. I never looked whether they won this series, and even though the split felt like a win, it's like Rocky, Rocky 1 or Rocky 2, whichever one where he, I think he lost in Rocky 1, but oh, sometimes you lose and you win. Wait a second, that was white men can't jump. Either way, it has nothing to do with winning or losing. Here's my focus as a Met fan. Win the National League East and finish with a top-two record. Beating the L.A. Dodgers and proving you're a good team is the most overrated thing you're going to hear people talk about. It doesn't mean anything. Like, beating the Dodgers uh, five out of seven times or four to seven times or all seven times means zilch. It means 
Can I curse? Am I allowed to curse on this podcast off? It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Of course you can. It means shit, all right? It doesn't mean anything. And here's the reason why. In 2015, the New York Mets were 0-7 against the Chicago Cubs. 0-7. They swept them in the National League Championship Series. For our older Mets fans, we know about 1988. The Dodgers got dominated by the Mets during the regular season, and then we, we saw what happened in the postseason. The point is, beating a team you may face later in the postseason doesn't mean anything. All that matters right now, if you're a New York Met fan, is winning the National League East and finishing with a top two record. So anyone who says, oh, they got to prove they can hang with the Dodgers, they don't have to prove anything. I mean, seriously, in 2015, they couldn't beat good teams. And then guess what happened when the playoffs came? They beat the Dodgers and they beat the Cubs. So I want to make that clear that before we go into these games, I was never looking at winning as, oh, they got to prove they belong. No, they got to win the division. They got to make the playoffs. Yeah. And then they need a buy out of that Fugazi wildcard round. That's my focus. That will be my focus whenever we talk on this podcast for the next three months. Because that's it. That's the only goal. Division, top two record. But it was frustrating watching this offense, which had dominated the Nationals and really has clicked all year. I mean, there's a reason they came into the series averaging 5.2 runs per game. This has been a relentless offense. This has been an offense that kind of reminds me of the Royals of 2015, where they just give you these long at-bats, and they're going to wear you down, and they're not going to strike out that much, and they're just going to eventually get to you. And there may not be necessarily a guy or two that scares you half to death, though I think Pete Alonso is starting to have that kind of season. It's just a very, very deep lineup. So to see Tony Gonsolin... And then that bullpen, Bruce Dar Grotterall, and uh, the, the what's his name, uh, Daniel Hudson, and Craig Kimbrell just completely shut this offense down. It was frustrating because I think we're almost watching this first game, waiting for the rally, because we've grown accustomed to that. The Mets have done such a good job of coming back when they're trailing in games and at least scoring. I mean, they hadn't been shut out until the opener of this series it was the first time they were shut out all season long. But I think we had become spoiled to watching this offense eventually click. And it just never happened in the first game of this series. And obviously the other negative thing, which I know worried me, I'm not sure it worried Pete as much, was the Lindor story. Because remember, he didn't play in this opener because he supposedly slammed his fingers on a hotel door right after he got a massage, which I don't even know why he added that, which made me think he was full of crap. Like, anybody who tells a story and starts adding stuff to the story, it's like, well, why why are you telling me about that? You're probably lying. And with all due respect to Lindor, who's had a very good year, he really has. He's had a very good year. He basically gets an RBI every single game. Lindor doesn't come across that truthful because he's the one who told us that him and Jeff McNeil were arguing about which animal they saw when, in fact, Lindor choked Jeff McNeil. Like, don't we all know that story now? 
that McNeil didn't want to shift. Lindor basically said, I know more baseball than you. And then finally they're in the locker room and Lindor's choking him. So again, this is not a knock on Francisco. I'm just giving you the facts. Why should I believe him when he says his hand gets slammed on by a door when he's telling us about an argument between a raccoon and a squirrel? Remember that? So I'm sorry. I never believed Lindor, but I did get nervous that this story, this Fugazi, I'm sorry, I got my hand slammed by a hotel door story was sort of going to lead to like a downfall of this team. (laughs) I did worry about that, that this would be the Sam Darnold icy ghost game all over again. But what did make me feel good is the fact he was in the lineup the very next game. And even though he didn't do anything, he didn't have a big game. I think that was the game that stopped his RBI streak. There was at least a, okay, he's fine. Okay, he's not going on the injured list. All right, he should be okay. But that you coincide that story with the fact that the Met offense completely got shut down, not that it was because his bat wasn't in the lineup, just for the first time this season, it felt like the mojo was different than it had been. So I'm not telling you it was full set, full stage panic, but there was a little worry of, really? This is what we're starting off with? Uh, the, the Max Scherzer thing, I'll just get this out of the way. That really was a non-story. And I don't even know how it came out that Max Scherzer got bit by his dog. This doesn't even feel real as I'm saying it. But Max Scherzer was bit by his dog and had to miss a side session. And then Scherzer had to give us a press release, essentially, in which he said, yeah, I got bit by my dog. I missed one side session. I'm good. Non-story. So I don't know what the hell's going on. That was a little worrisome. And then game two of this series, Chris Bassett gets, you know, hit early by that Cody Bellinger two-run bomb. He gives up a home run to Zach McKinstry. And again, they can't figure out Tyler Anderson. And they're just getting mowed down. So really until the Alonzo home run in game two, you sit there from 10-10 at night to 1 o'clock in the morning if you're a diehard Met fan and you're watching an offense that you didn't recognize. This was not the offense we had watched all season long. You know, Brandon Nimmo looked real bad as he came back off his little respite. I don't know what was going on. He did break out of it later in the series. It was just, it was tough to watch. And I, look, I don't even blame Chris Bassett because while Chris Bassett wasn't great in this game, he did give them that extra inning, which I think helps, especially when you saw how much the Mets used of their bullpen over the next two days. The fact he was able to squeeze out an extra inning, a sixth inning of work, and ended up throwing 110 pitches, it wasn't a great performance. But here's the truth. If you're going to score one run in nine innings against the Dodgers, and that's after you got completely shut out. So let's do the math. You scored one run in 18 innings. You're not winning. So I don't even look at the Bassett start and necessarily kill him for it. It was just that this offense got shut down. And they got shut down by two guys in Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson who've had outstanding seasons. I know full well with Gonsolin. He's on my fantasy team. I did not enjoy anything about him shutting down the Mets. I'm just letting you know I, I know how well he's pitched. I, I give him a lot of credit. Tyler Anderson, the same thing. The guy's like 7-0 and with a 2 ERA. But this was very unfamiliar. And let's be honest, 